Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast. Scott, I would call this part two of our entrance into 2022. You shared a little bit last time about just how you got involved with Celtic spirituality. And now we are going to take step two and talk about how this still to this day sustains you and how you're still excited and kind of enthralled by Celtic spirituality. Yeah, I'm enlivened by it, I must admit. I'm just not a, no- a novice at this anymore. I'm not an expert either, but I'm just in terms of practice, spiritual practice, and the way it's shaped my being in this world is full, full on. And starting to recognize some of the things that were speaking to me, oh, years and years ago. I can remember days. So I grew up in Iowa, not a lot of beachfront property in Iowa. So eventually I found myself uh, going to a wonderful Nazarene college in San Diego right on the beach. Tough gigs, right? So whenever I had a a chance, I'd go down there and sit on the beach. Oftentimes by my side, I'd be the only one down there and I would just kind of find a comfy place on the beach and I would just stare out at the immensity of the Pacific Ocean. It's right there in front of me. And I just I just couldn't get over it. I mean, it went on forever, you know. And all of a sudden, I was just kind of like in this very comfortable place. And I find myself watching the waves, watching the tide come in, and it goes out. And it comes in, and it goes out. I'm mesmerized. I don't know where the heck I am in my head at this time. But I'm into watching this in and out, and in and out. And I just was thinking the other day how much I appreciate that. The rhythm of life, for me, is kind of captured in that in and out of the waves that things come and then we're called to let go and things new things come and we're called to let go and it's so life-giving it's so enchanting so mesmerizing to me even to this day and then we moved to colorado and there's not a lot of beachfront property here either and then the mountains the mountains have their own voice the forest has its own sound its own invitation and over the years especially after my introduction into this whole christian Celtic thing. Learning to walk in the world with the awareness it takes to read, to engage, to listen to the invitation and the different voices of nature throughout the different seasons of the year, that takes time. It takes showing up consistently. But I have to do it every day. I have to do this reverent walking every day. It's just (laughs) such a gift experience for me now. And that's really, really what I'm into. I've learned a lot about Celtic history and about the saints and the theology and stuff, and that's important. And I, I do cherish that. But what I really want to share with people, what's on my heart is the experience of Celtic Christianity doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a scholar to do it. 
I think that's so true, Scott. I know, you know, sometimes we want to dig in we love to read and we love to learn and we love to learn the history and all of those types of things like many people do in this world. But still to this day, I'm in my mid forties still to this day, the place that I always find God is in a walk in the woods, you know, or a trip down the river in the summer. It's always going back to the exact same place where I feel like I first found God, which was on a walk in the woods. And so you can do all the learning or studying and that's, those are really good things and really helpful. But at the end of the day, there's something true about just the need to stay connected to God through nature. And I'm like you, there's not a day that goes by that I don't get out there. And even today, I was telling you today, as we record this, I woke up and it was well below zero in Wisconsin, but I'll, (laughs) I'll still get out there today. I'll bundle up and I'll take a beautiful walk or a cross country ski through the woods and just enjoy that time. So some of the things that I brought up last time, I guess the first thing that really shocked me when I went to hear John Philip Newell was this whole image of God. And let's move away from that whole thing about original sin, which of course was an earthquake to my theological training. But the family that I grew up in was a difficult family. My mom and dad did the best they could with what they had. I think they both had an eighth grade education. And my dad, I'm sure, had PTSD from World War II. And I think his alcoholism was trying to numb all that out. And that was our environment. It was a tough gig. And my mom and dad thought, you know, go to church and that's where you'll become a Christian. You'll become a good person. The Augustinian tradition church, the Lutheran church I went to, was very Germanic and original sin and all that heavily pressed in. When I went to hear Newell, that began to open up these doors, and I did more reading about different pieces of Christian history that didn't all hold on to original sin, which I didn't really know. My human experience out of this whole thing about image of God opened up two doorways that are still so vitally important to me today. And one is the possibility of healing. Of, of just personal healing that comes out of things like family trauma or experiential trauma and freedom. I think healing and freedom go together. And honestly, I wouldn't have experienced this invitation to this kind of healing and freedom if I hadn't had this Celtic Christian experience. The Augustinian tradition talked to me and told me over and over again that my will is in bondage to sin. And once I can let that go, the gift was that I could begin trusting my everyday lived experience with God. So human experience became another creative and vitally important in terms of my lived expression and experience with God in the everyday world. And to have that freedom, I didn't feel bound anymore by my religion. I didn't feel locked into this thing of I'm locked into sin and I can't help myself. I can't free myself. And all the time, here's God trying to invite me to a life of continued healing and freedom with responsibility. It was liberating, still is today. And boy, does it help me in my whole experiencing and understanding people who are very different from me. Maybe they're different religions, maybe different upbringing, maybe different social status, whatever, but it has opened a whole heart in me and a lens of even a deeper appreciation 
of people who don't experience the world the same way I do, might not experience God the same way I do. And now I'm free to listen, to open up my heart, to receive what God is doing in their lives that might be very different than mine. Yeah, I remember just my own experience, and I can't pinpoint any single sermon or conversation even that I was in that made me believe this way. But I agree with you that I felt as if I was not supposed to trust my own human experience, that that was something, not only was I not supposed to trust it, but I was almost supposed to be a little bit weary of it, like a little bit wary of it as if that is, that represents ungodliness in some form while what's in the Bible represents godliness and what's in the church represents godliness. And it really, again, I don't know where I learned that from, but I, I can relate when you talk about it in the way that you do. And I agree with you that once we allow ourselves the freedom to experience humanity, then the intertwining of our human experience with everybody else's in human experiences that I think is where true, beautiful godliness and so many other wonderful things come about because like you already alluded to, everybody's experience is different, even the way they look at God, but can't you gain so much from understanding another person's perspective of God or divinity than just being stuck to one tradition event? Yeah. So this is a question that's come to me through walking recently. We haven't had the cold temperatures that you have had in a couple days, but my walking through the same path that I walk every day, I don't know why this certain trees just really caught my attention. Way at the top is, is sitting this hawk and it's just watching, you know, it's like scanning for food, you know, for prey. And then over a few trees, there are these squirrels that are really hidden. Rabbits and this like came to me. What is your place in all of this? And that's really what's continually shifting for me from, I'm a human being. This world was made for me. I can use it the way I want. And when this question continues to come to me, like it did just a few days ago, it was like, what is your place among this? The pyramid's gone. Everything's flattened out. I can see us all on the same playing field together. We share this life. We share this world. Do we have different roles and stuff in here? Yeah, but my role has to change in here. And it begins with humility. I was just doing some writing earlier this week, actually, and I've always struggled a little bit with that concept of us being made for community because I am an introvert and sometimes community is really difficult for me. And so on one of my walks in the woods that I finally was able to say to myself, oh yes, I absolutely was made for community, but my concept of community has to change. And I think we, you know, that again, becomes a little bit about religion is when we think about that we're created for community, we always think, well, me and other people. What if the perspective was broader? What if it's me, other people, the animals, the trees, the forests, the streams, you know, created for being in communion with all of creation. And that is what is such a nourishing part of Celtic Christianity. I realized the scripture passage, like I've never realized it before. It's in Romans, I think, when Paul 
I'm Catholic, so we didn't memorize. <laughs> so I think it's in Romans where Paul talks about all nature groaning, you know. So I am standing among these trees, and my first one of my first feelings is that, oh Lord, I'm so grateful for your presence all around me and within me. Everything breathes the presence of God. And then I was like, and all nature is groaning, groaning for the completion, the whatever it is that's coming. Teilhard de Chardin talks, we're all being drawn to this, to this moment, to this place, this telos place, and we're all groaning together. I think, too, you talk a lot about ecology in regard to faith as well. I think that's another space that we could look at that scripture. And I did do a quick Google while you were talking there, just to make oh, sure good. you got it right. It's definitely ah. in Romans. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> and I think when we talk about ecology, you know, if there's a way that nature is groaning right now for the divine and yeah. for a better connection with one another, I think that's, that's how we can read that verse today. Yeah. And when I came back in, call it coincidence, so on the TV is this news clip, these polar bears have taken over this island that's uninhabited. The house, Some of the houses are still there and stuff. And they did that because the ice that they used to live on, it's not there. Now I see the ecological disasters as heartfelt, which brings me to this person of Jesus. So I won't tell you where we were, but my wife and I were in a pretty... A uh, big church building not too long ago. Incredibly high ceilings and beautiful stained glass windows and everything was choreographed. I don't know how else to say it precisely. I mean, it's well done. Let me say that. Nothing missed a beat. We were just visiting this place and um, when we left, Chris is like, what does this have to do with Jesus? I think she was getting at some of the basics. I think sometimes what's happening today for people is that in order to go forward in our journey, we're actually going to have to go back. I think we're going to have to go back to some beginnings where people were connected to nature, where they were in small communities, where they could follow a certain discipline and a certain accountability and a certain knowing each other where the idea of what like Richard Rohr will call transformation, what other people in the past have called becoming Christ-like. And I don't mean that in some detached holy way that's removed from the world. Certainly Celtic people found the Christ-like way of living right in the earth, right into working out in the garden with each other, in the most basic common human needs, right? And Jesus was never like far off. I mean, certainly they understood the transcendence of God, but their emphasis was on the imminence, the closeness, and in the everyday, in the rigors of life. And I think if we're going to move forwards as a Christian movement, we really may have to go back into the past and see what models are there for us. What did we not learn well from our beginnings that we just discarded, institutionalized, changed for our benefit without realizing what happens when we do that, when we're self-centered, even, even in our spirituality. It's salvation is for me. I want to go to heaven. And that's the message. And my sins are forgiven. Okay. 
got it. You know, there's more. <laughs> there's a little bit more there. <laughs> and when I think about when I was taught about Jesus as Savior, it was always otherworldly. It's like, so after you die, you're okay. In the Celtic way, this whole personal transformation of becoming like Jesus in a very concrete, everyday way is, is important. I asked myself this question, when did Jesus as teacher, mentor, spiritual director, when did that get relegated to second place on what's important about Jesus? Somewhere, I'm sad to say, in my life it did, you know, but now I look back, going through the Gospels again, and I'm looking, look at all the things he taught. That's pretty important stuff. It takes a village, it takes a community for us to be able to live that out and to grow. When I think about this, Scott, a lot of times when I think about that concept of Jesus as Savior, and I, like you, believe that in at least some way, shape, or form, right? But we put preeminence on this idea of something that we really can never fully understand. So we don't have the capacity to understand what the afterlife is going to be like, or heaven, or you know any of that. But what we do have the ability to see in very concrete applicable ways is how our faith can help us engage in this world, which is why Jesus as teacher, mentor, spiritual director should never be relegated to second place over no. Jesus as the Savior. The scriptures and my transformation around that, I mean, for a long time, the scriptures were it. Bam, everything is in there. Then I go through this whole deconstruction phase, and I think you know, the best place for my Bible was underneath a dust cloth. But the whole Celtic thing really opened that up to me in a new way. And we will have a section on that. For example, this guy, Kenneth McIntosh, who I talked about last week, he has a little book called Reading the Bible the Celtic Way. And it is so good to think about how the Celtic people did Lexio Divina, not individually, in a group, because the individual reading it alone can get some pretty weird ideas. <laughs> and having somebody who's in a community to teach us about metaphor and symbol and to be away from just literalism and legalism and historical context and so on, it goes along with that trust your experience, image of God, right? And Jesus as, as Savior in terms of somebody who's going to save us from our false self and liberate us into the kind of person that God wants us to become. And the scriptures, can we can return to the scriptures in an ancient way of engaging them and not just under some kind of historical, critical, scientific model that we can use to hammer people into our way of believing. Yeah, that's really renewed. I shouldn't just say new, but it's really renewed for me. And I love it. I really do. I, like you, went from a place where the Bible to me held the answer to all of life's questions. And then I got to a place where the Bible to me was a great place to hold my beer because it was nice flat surface. And then now at this place where wanting to value it and it's not only its historical significance, but just having a new understanding of God, having a new understanding of Jesus by the way that we see people's, ex going back to what you talked about, trusting human experiences. The Bible is a collection of human experiences trying to understand how to connect with God. It and is. that brings to me, when I think of the Bible like that, it, it becomes so valuable and so meaningful.
I said that same phrase in an American Baptist church recently, and it took my presentation down a whole path that I didn't anticipate, but it was a rich conversation, and thank God when it was done, people were like, wow, I never thought about it like that. Of course, that's what it is. And where's the bridge? And they would say to me, I don't understand, where's the bridge? Because if it's their experiences that people went out of their way to keep for us to learn from, where's the bridge? And, and one, one kind soul, I'm going to say this lady was in her 80s. She might have been older than that. And she said, it's my experience then that becomes the pages. The whole room became this subdued and reflective space. And they're like, God is working on the stage of human history. And my life is part of that story. I think in closing, I'd like to say this. First of all, thank you. Thank you for the donations that are starting to come in. And I want to say that if you have questions about a, a small faith community, or if you have questions about resources, really helpful resources that you can read or videos you can watch, just contact me at scott at celticway.org. I'd love to have a conversation and a dialogue with you because this is a rich Christian ancient spirituality that's available for us today. I want you to find the depth, the breadth, and the joy of rekindling our Christian faith again. That's what's on my heart. Thank you for listening to us. To support the Celtic Way podcast, be sure to subscribe to it, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to become a sustaining member, please go to our website at www.celticway.org. Find us on Facebook at Celtic Way.